everyone, and welcome to this edition of the Politically Incorrect Podcast on News Talk Florida and Blog Talk Radio. I'm here with our post-debate panel of Tom Jackson and Joe Henderson. And guys, um, that was a pretty interesting um, 90 minutes. It was, uh, I think we all agreed that Trump had probably his best 30 minutes of any of the debates thus far. And then uh, things got to start falling apart as uh, as things moved beyond that 31-minute hour. And you Fair are enough. shocked, right? You're sh- uh, I know no, you're No, not stunned. really shocked. But... <laughs> you know, you're right, Jim. And in all fairness to the Donald, uh, uh, I'm, I thought he was subdued almost to the point of like – like it was almost like he'd just woken up from a nap and he wasn't quite awake yet, but that that actually suited him well uh, in the first part of the debate. Um, he um, was. Whether you agree or not on the issue uh, of abortion, mm-hmm. um, his answer was a strong one. His position was a strong one. Um, and graphic. And gra- well, a little too graphic, but. You know that that's okay. Uh, I thought it he made a good is, case. Though. Yeah, I, I I thought he made a good case um, about uh, about his signature issue, which is a border security. Mm-hmm. And then he figured out what he was doing right and corrected it. He <laughs> he he became the Donald again, and yeah. he fell into every trap. Uh, the, the the moment that that I love best about the debate was when he was quizzed, you know, on, on the issue that became the headline, right? Or are you going to accept the results? And they had the split screen thing going. And as he was fumbling through his answer, you could see Clinton's grin getting wider and wider and wider. (laughs) Like I've got this, this is, it's over. I win. And I was just going to say, to his credit, Chris Wallace, who I thought did probably the best job of any of the people who moderated the debates, including the, you know, the uh, vice president's debate. I thought Chris did an outstanding job. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, he almost was like Regis in Millionaire. It was almost like, you know, let me rephrase this so that you understand that maybe you didn't want to answer it the way you answered it the first time. Let me give you yet a second chance. Um, and he didn't do it in a, in a way that I that I think he was trying to help him. I think all he was trying to do was give him, you know, a, a kind of like, dude, did you really hear what you just said? Perhaps you want to <laughs> rephrase that. And he gave it to him. And, and not only did it come out even more, you know, clear from a standpoint of what he wanted to say. He basically, you know, then made a flip remark of saying, well, you know. I'll uh, I'll wait and I'll do it and you'll just have to f- wait and find out. I'll, I'll, I'll keep I'll you keep in you. suspense. He said. Right. I'll keep you in suspense. You know, here's here's the thing. Yes, it was the signature moment from from the final debate of the 2016 presidential campaign. Woohoo to that. Um, <laughs> but but I mean, there was a, a, a sharper and, and I know I keep I, I harp on this. But a mm-hmm. sharper GOP candidate nominee 
would have been able to frame the predicate in such a way that he could have made a really firm statement about, so no, I'm not going. He, he could have laid out what we've learned recently from Project Veritas about uh, Democrat operatives admitting on video that they indeed do things that are, are designed to commit voter fraud. I mean, they're very upfront about what they do about that and the methods they use. So you had that. Um, you have the Pew uh, Foundation showing that there are up to two dozen million Americans who are are dubiously registered, or uh, and it's you know so there's there's enough there if they all voted in a certain direction to to sway an election. But Donald Trump was incapable of laying the predicate to then say so for these reasons, for these reasons that have that have come to light in the past week. No, I'm not going to necessarily say yeah i accept whatever the vote turnout becomes because suppose it's uh, he, he could uh, and uh, i've got a, a post up at news talk florida right now from the debate saying what he might have said if he was a sharper candidate uh and that is suppose it comes down to 300 votes in florida suppose it comes down right. to 2000 votes in ohio suppose it comes down to 3000 votes spread over wisconsin and colorado colorado now all the polls say right now it's not going to come down to that. He's going to lose majestically and possibly historically, but he had the opportunity then to say there, there, there seemed to me enough shenanigans that if it's close, I don't want to say that on election night I'm going to concede. I'm going to do what Al Gore did and protect my voters who think that I ought to be the president. But he didn't do that. Um, he, was, he was flip. He was as ever. He was uh, he was an inch deep and a mile wide on his understanding of of serious issues and and serious consequences. And for that reason, it became the headline. I mean, if he'd if he'd stayed away from that, from that completely, we might be talking today about how he took Hillary to task about the Clinton Foundation. But because right. he couldn't make that argument, because he couldn't make that argument. We're talking about what a dope he is, and, and rightly so, because if you can't make that argument, you're dope. Uh, I would agree. Here on the Politically Incorrect podcast, that was Tom Jackson along with Joe Henderson. Uh, you know, I really I – w- it would not – it may not have been as bad had they not gone to the spin room afterwards, and every one of the people who an hour before that – when asked, what do you think Donald's going to say about that, all said, well, of course he's going to accept the, you know, the will of the people. He's going to, whatever whatever they decide, we're going to accept that as the, um, you know, as the way the election is, is done. Much like a, you know, um, Paul Ryan's uh, comments earlier in the day. And then all of a sudden when Donald didn't get the memo and decided to go with this different answer. All of a sudden, you've got Rudy Giuliani and you know the rest of the surrogates out there suddenly, you know, quoting Al Gore um, as their as their talking point, and and I think that that almost made it worse. Well, yeah, because he hung them out to dry. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's what, mm-hmm. but that's what he's done throughout the com- the campaign. But Tom, 
want to ask you a question that's been bouncing around in my mind for the last few days since uh, James O'Keefe came out with his uh, Project Veritas video. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is the difference between what he does and what Michael Moore does on the other side? They are both uh, targeted, editorialized, selectively edited videos. And uh, the only difference is maybe Michael Moore makes his into a movie and, and, and O'Keefe uh, uh, it, you know, does what he does, which, which is try to release this during the campaign. I don't mind that he does it, but I'm just saying, you know, they, they go crazy at Michael Moore who does, but James O'Keefe is doing the same thing. Now, how? Well, with the, with the, with the exception, well, I'm not going to tell you that you're, that you're absolutely wrong. The exception is that O'Keefe has a history of, yes, he publishes the, the, uh, the edited stuff right away. And then within 48 hours, after the left has come out and said, well, this is all edited and this is taken out of context and this is just wrong and we can't possibly verify all this, then he releases the 40 hours. And the 40 hours supports exactly what, I mean, the the absolutely unedited video always has supported exactly what the edited video shows. We don't know that what Michael Moore puts on the screen is a fair representation of of all of the all of the film that he has taken. I mean, it's it's just like it's just like jaywalking was. It's like uh, uh, what's his name's world on uh, on on the O'Reilly factor. I mean, if you talk to a hundred Americans, you're going to find enough who don't know what is going on to fill a five minute spot, and you feel like well, everybody's stupid. Um, I would like to see the full release of the video that that, that Jesse Waters uh, comes up with when he when he makes Americans look stupid. But that's that's the thing. Project Veritas, James O'Keefe, always publishes the full account within 48 hours after people have said, "Well, that can't be right. That's out of context, and I just don't believe it until I see until I see the unedited version." And then you see the unedited version. And the left clamps up and says, "Well, that was mean the way he the way he went around getting his footage." Now, bear in mind, uh, you know, I think he's exposed some things that need to be exposed. Um, but I'm just saying, you know, don't don't celebrate that, and then in the in the next breath, rip Michael Moore because I think Michael Moore's exposed some things that needed to be exposed as well, and. Um, I, uh, you know, it's may not be. Uh, I know. I know he's a popular target of Republicans, and I'm, uh, you know, not going to sit here and say that he doesn't slant it to fit his agenda. But I st- that still doesn't mean it's not good stuff. And um, so that was all. That was the only point I wanted to make. When, I, I think when he starts, when he starts publishing the full footage that he has recorded in pursuit uh, or, or filmed in pursuit of, of his opuses, then we've got some we've got some apples to apples comparisons to make. But until then, I mean, O'Keefe, as I said, releases all the footage at some point. Um, and and that hits pretty hard when he does that. 
Fair enough. All right. So well, there you go. Uh, just want to just want to raise that. Want to raise that? Want to raise that? And and I'm here to say, I'll you know I've seen his stuff. He does wonderful work, and I um I still don't believe him. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's, <laughs> yeah. yeah, let me say this. I think Michael Moore serves a purpose. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's just it's just like um, Republicans right now backing away from the WikiLeaks leaks regarding mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton and John Podesta and the others because they're saying, "Fellas, it's the Democrats this time. Next time it could be us." You know what? Don't say stupid stuff in your emails, and you'll be fine. I. I, I'm on the record, right? I, I, I believe that I could have every one of the emails that I have sent since email became something in my life, and I wouldn't be embarrassed about anything that I've written. Uh, I, I don't I don't rip people in emails. I try to be kindly in emails. I try to be polite. Uh, I, I'm sometimes forceful about making a point, but you know, fellas, if 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 you want to deliver a message to somebody and you think it might look bad if it got leaked, then you better make a phone call. Um, because it's going to come out at some point, and you need to be circumspect. You, you know, uh, Tom, Tom, that's a great point, because, and, and you'll remember this person that we had uh, at the Tribune, Janet Coates. She was mm-hmm. former uh, editor at the Tribune, and uh, she said way back when, um, when email was first coming out, I remember that she sent out like a little uh, memo yes, to the staff yeah. And reminded everybody that be very careful what you say in an email because it lasts forever and you don't want to have to eat it one day. Well, Mm -hmm. I've always remembered that, too. And many is the time I've I've written something on an email and then I hit the delete key before I send it because you don't want to. You don't want to send off something in the emotion of the moment. Now, Tom, just like you, I have. Uh, exchange blunt opinions with readers when I thought it was merited, and I'll stand by those. But you know, when uh, when you start thinking about something that can live forever, like WikiLeaks is is proving that it can, um, I think you're right. Uh, figure out another way to get to, to communicate because uh, you know you have to assume that if you write it to one person, you're writing it uh, for the whole world. Right. The other exactly. thing too, the other thing too, guys, an, an example of what you're talking about is I try to do the same thing. Make sure that you know you don't put any specific, uh, you know, nothing in there that you would want anybody to um, to to pin you with. But I was working on a story with a couple of guys at the Desert. Um, uh, what's the newspaper in, in um, Desert in, News? Uh, yeah, Desert News out in uh, out in Utah. And, Salt Lake City. Uh, is it Salt Lake City? Okay, thank you. Salt mm-hmm. Lake City. And um and basically it had to do with um the conference realignment and all that. And I wanted to specifically explain to them as part of our deal why this wasn't going to, to work. And I in the in the story or not the story, I'm sorry, in the email, I sent the name of the uh of the um, person who I'd spoken to, my source to them, and said, you know, this is the person I just got off the phone with this person, and this person told me this, this, and this, so it's, you know, it's golden, 
okay, we can go with this. I'm sitting at dinner about two hours later. A phone rings. A company that uh, has four letters in front of its name and is a worldwide <laughs> leader in some specific sport uh, or all sports. Um, executive was on the phone and said, have you read the Desert News and website? And I said, no. Why? And they said, because my name is all over it. And I went, oh, boy. Oh, really? And they said, yes. And he said, I will give you 10 minutes. If you can get it down in 10 minutes, I will not, you know, kill you. And I said, <laughs> okay. So I called them and said, what part of the don't print the source piece did you not get? And, and fortunately, we were able to get it down in 10 minutes. But again, there you are. That was not, you know, that was, that was strictly just putting, you know, a person's name to a specific thing that he did not want to be known. But it was the reason that certain things were being held up. So even at that point, okay, that that has nothing to do with being mean or mad or upset at somebody. That's linking someone at a mm -hmm. major corporation, giving you inside information that you're not supposed to know, that you then are passing off to a newspaper, which is then going to print it as a source, you know, an unnamed source. Well, guess what? That unnamed source was un was named for about 10 minutes. Um, so, yeah, you have to be careful with all that stuff, and you just can't um, Gee, gee I don't there. know. It sounds like maybe, I don't know, you ought to use a private email server or something. <laughs> I know where I can get yeah, one as, cheap. As a public <laughs> official, that's always a good idea. It yeah. was a joke. The, the... That was a joke. I'm, it's too soon, man. Too soon. Well, I was just on. I was just on. Um, you know, eBay. There's one for sale out of Chappaqua, New York. And um, if you want it, I think we could probably get it for cheap. Uh, I don't think anybody would find my emails very interesting, frankly. So uh, I'll yeah. pass for now. Mine, mine either. Uh, tell you what, folks. Let's step aside. Take a break here on the politically incorrect podcast with Tom Jackson. And Joe Henderson, who are right now deleting any possible emails that might be uh, a problem for them. Delete, we'll delete, 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 delete. We'll come back and we'll talk about the. We'll go. Let's take this a little bit further because I, I do think that uh, Marco Rubio did make a very wise statement with regard to, "Hey guys, you know, let's make it's. We're making hay out of this right now. It could come back to bite us later." So uh, we'll we'll talk about that after these messages. Welcome back to the Politically Incorrect Podcast. I'm Jim Williams, along with the experts themselves, Tom Jackson and Joe Henderson. Gentlemen, prior to break, we were talking about um, Marco Rubio, who suddenly, and I, I know Tom will probably smack me on the head for this, but who suddenly become a very wise sage of the Republican Party <laughs> over the past week or so, first in saying that uh, denouncing uh, Donald Trump for not uh, saying that he would um, verify the elections, and then secondly, coming out with this uh, situation of saying that despite his absolute and total disdain for um, Hillary Clinton, 
that the whole WikiLeaks thing, because it has to do with uh, uh, a foreign government trying to play uh, in our politics, you know, be careful what you uh, what you play with because it may end up blowing up in your face. So uh, I do. I think that that was a very wise move on uh, on Rubio's part and a very, I thought, very thoughtful way of going about it. I also think I, I agree with you on that point, Jim. But I also think it is all the next level in the in the complete rejection and given the word of the day, pivot away uh, by Republicans from Donald Trump. They want to put as much time and space between this bad dream and themselves as possible. So it um, doesn't surprise me that Rubio would do that. He's had a pretty good week. I thought he uh, handled himself very well in the uh, debate uh, here in Florida with Patrick Murphy. Uh, still a Still a close race there. Um, and, and Rubio needs to, uh, he's ahead, but he needs to make sure that he doesn't get swamped uh, by the, uh, by what's about to happen to Donald Trump. But uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of other Republicans are going to do the same thing. They're, they're just abandoning their party's nominee. Um, uh, they can't get on, they can't get in the lifeboats fast enough. This was pretty inevitable, I think. Um, from the moment he was the moment he crested the number of delegates that he needed to claim the nomination this day was going to come the 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 uh, the iceberg has been on the horizon drawing ever closer ever closer and now there is i think a perceptible collision and uh, this is not uh, this is not rats leaving the ship this is this is people reimagining. I mean, the, we, we've talked an awful lot about what becomes of the, the, the Republican Party after November 8th. And um, people who have a sense of self-preservation have begun to, to exercise their survival instincts and uh, making putting distance between themselves and Donald Trump is one of those ways that you have to do it. Now, the, the X factor is what's going to happen with the with the populist movement that has taken over the GOP this year. Um, do they crawl back into the cracks of politics and not show up again and, and conventional republicanism reasserts itself? Or is this as some, I, I keep hearing, um, uh, I, I, I don't, really value the opinion of Mike Gallagher any more than I could any farther than I can throw him but he had uh, Stephen Moore a guy that I re respect pretty well on his show this morning and both of them both of them were staunchly saying this is not a movement that's going away we're going to be here no matter what happens with Trump and Laura Ingram is saying the same thing that um, whatever becomes of Trump I respect the issues that he ran on if we could figure out what those issues are, I might be able to, to, to rally behind him. Um, he's been so all over the place on all issues. But, yeah, I mean, Marco is first his, – his first instinct is how do I survive to the next election or how do I survive to, to my next ambition? And I think that he has made a calculated, uh, uh, a calculated decision that – it is not going to involve Donald Trump and whatever. And when Donald Trump loses, no matter what people are saying, it's going to disperse. It's like 
It's like a high school class when they are going through graduation, and everybody says, no, we're, we're a special group. We're going to stick together forever, and two weeks later, you're gone, and, and the only time you ever see those people is, is at a reunion, and you don't see all of them. I think I, I, I suspect that this populist group is just going to – is more likely to throw up its hands and move on than it is to dig in and, and figure out there's hard work to be done about persuading the American public. You know, though, you know, Tom – oh, go ahead, Joe. Go, no, I was, I was just going to say I think that's a great point, Tom, uh, because history tells us there have been these kind of populist movements before in, in both parties. And the, I, the the first presidential election I ever voted in was Nixon McGovern. It did not end well for me, um, but uh, <laughs> the uh, you know that was that was as much of a beat down as you could get. But if you look back at you know the when McGovern was getting the nomination, uh, yeah, it came out later. Maybe Nixon was helping manipulate that a little bit because they wanted to run against McGovern because they knew what would happen. There was still a lot of true believers um, that thought, you know, okay, we're going to take this this country over and we're going to get out of Vietnam and we're going to do all this other stuff. And then he lost 49 out of 50 states, including his own state. And everybody that was involved in that just kind of went like, oh, <laughs> oh dear. And then, and, you know, went back to whatever they were doing at that point. Um, and then Nixon did what he did and, you know, the rest is history. But I suspect that there's going to be a lot of people now who thought, uh, I see, I see that same type of fervor on, on Trump's side by, by a few people. And on the, the night of November 8th, there's going to be some long faces because there's lots of those people that believe everybody is lying and that their guy is going to win. Uh, it's like yeah. a, uh, it's like a kid who who just doesn't want to believe in Santa. You know, who's just told no, there is no Santa Claus. Yeah, there is. Or like I did for my debate prep last night, Linus in the uh, pumpkin patch, going, "Yes, the Great Pumpkin does exist." Uh, <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> and uh, and what? Well, it's don't true. You start, start don't you start blaspheming? Not uh -huh. this is a family. This is a family <laughs> podcast. Don't you start. Right. Talking but, that nonsense. Uh, yeah, we're not, but sure, we're, we're not sure what family, but yes, it's a family. It could be the Corleones, what, could be anyone. What are they going to do? Are they going to turn back to the establishment Republicans that they hate? No. Are they going to uh, form a third party? I doubt they have the energy. Um, I don't know, uh, but I don't look forward to being no, much I, of a force. I, you know, I, yeah, I, I'm going to disagree with you guys politely, of course, because of course, because that's is, who we are. This is really the first social media situation where you've created he there's there there's I mean I don't see these people going off my Twitter account anytime soon. Um and and if indeed Mr. Trump and Steve Bannon and Jared Kushner come together and form whatever it is that they want to form in the way of a media empire I think that they're going to shadow Hillary Clinton and the Republican Party and and basically give them you know all kinds of grief because they have tasted the power and they like it. 
Now, they may not like it or they may have screwed it up in a way that they didn't win the election, but they did knock off 16 different GOP contenders and they threw the fear of God into, you know, the Democratic Party, albeit with a a weak candidate. But all that being said, I don't see them going, you know, quietly into the night uh, in any stretch of the imagination. Now, we may find out something that we didn't really know, and that is what are the solid numbers on it. But I do think that if they can, if they're going to pull off this media empire or whatever it is that they have planned, and Steve Bannon has something planned, uh, I I don't think they're going to, you know, go uh, go away. I think they're going to stay here and play, be a player. Now, how big a player? I don't know. I think that depends on on how you know things break down with the um, with the media aspect of this, but. You know, there's too many voices, and 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 I think Steve Bannon and uh, Donald Trump see that, and there's no reason for them to leave that bully pulpit out there unused. Oh, I, I agree with that. I think that this, the last month of this campaign is going to be all about establishing the foundation of of Trump Network, uh, where they will uh, uh, appeal to a thousand, uh, to a, to a million, to two million of their hardcore supporters who will be willing to spend uh, 10 bucks a month uh, to subscribe to, to their channel um, and they will make some noise, but making, turning, turning noise into a political movement involves an awful lot of heavy lifting. Mm -hmm. And the one thing, the one thing that Donald Trump has demonstrated that he is not even remotely interested in is heavy lifting. Uh, he wants he wants to be the the guy braying in the public square and hoping to create a movement based on nothing but his rhetoric. Um, we we've seen several times already this election cycle in the primaries um, for for down ballot races where people running on the issues that Trump was running on to the degree that we could discern what they were. Uh, Carlos Baruch, for instance. Uh, here and and the guy who challenged uh, the guy who challenged Paul Ryan for his seat in uh, in Wisconsin, they got crushed. They got crushed by traditional establishment Republicans because this is nothing but a single celebrity phenomenon. And and you're you're right, Jim. I think that there's going to be a a, a media bonanza. Of, of big piles of money that will be made from this, but as far as getting precinct captains elected and get out the vote machinery organized, I just don't see that happening. I, I'd be I'd be stunned. Of course, I've been stunned by a lot of things this, this campaign. So, you know, add one more. But I just again, I I come back. I don't think it'll happen. Well, the other there, it's interesting. Uh, there's a story. Um, that uh, Breitbart posted from the Washington Post that the uh, first uh, populist movement target post-election is going to be uh, Paul Ryan. They're going after him, okay? Uh, mm -hmm. They won't succeed, but they'll go after him. So um, I think that will be when they, when they don't win there, and I don't think they will, that's another blow to their pride. Now. 
you know, what they do, what, what I think is going to happen is that the same thing that happened at the end of the last election is the conservative, the true conservatives are going to jump up on no, November 9th, the, the morning of the, after the election, and they're going to say, all right, look, we ran Mitt Romney. Uh, we ran, he was weak. We ran this clown Trump who wasn't even a Republican. And we, we've, we've got our heads handed to us you now three times in a row. What is it going to take for our party to realize that we have to run a real conservative? And that will be the movement. Uh, I think there'll be some procedural things uh, within the inner workings of the Republican Party, uh, much as there was with the Democrats uh, back when the, the left, the far left hijacked uh, their party. I think you'll start to see some things out of the Republican Party to make it more difficult for uh, a phenomenon like Donald Trump to occur again. And um, so I'm going to be watching closely uh, to see who emerges from from all the uh, the goo that is going to be splattered here on uh, on election day, because uh, as Marco Rubio just showed us, and I think other Republicans are doing as well. They've already moved past it. This this game is over, and they're looking they're looking for the next battle. And uh, it it will not include Donald Trump or any of the people who really supported him. You know, I heard uh, that there's a very strong possibility that the Republicans, and Tom, you probably heard this as well, are going to come, go to something that is somewhat akin to a superdelegate system. Uh, I don't know if you've heard much about that, uh, but I've heard a lot of talk around Washington that that they're they're toying with that idea so that uh, that they can uh, make sure that they have a little bit more control over how this thing. Uh, is handled in the future. Yeah, I, I, I'm not, I'm not privy to that talk, but I've been a, a, an advocate of it uh, for eight months. And I, I think if, if superdelegates have been in place for the GOP for this run, then you quickly would have come down to Donald Trump and a legitimate backed by the establishment pick. And right now we would be talking about. Um, the final weeks between Hillary Clinton and and somebody respectable as as a Republican who has who has actually been a Republican most of his life, um, and and we wouldn't be enduring this nonsense of uh, two really awful choices. So yes, super delegates, yay. Okay, well hopefully we'll get them. We'll see how that works out. I mean, if 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 Will Weatherford is is one of the people helping choose. Florida's delegates or, or, mm -hmm. or, or making noise at the GOP convention in 2020, mm -hmm. I'm fine with that. If Richard Corcoran is one of those guys, I'm fine with that. Uh, I, can, I can think of, of a dozen Bay Area Republicans right now who I would gladly cede my individual uh, reckoning on, on who ought to be the next uh, nominee to, to those guys and those gals. Um, because they're smarter than I am. Well, look at look at the Democrats and see how messy it could have gotten this year without the superdelegates. Absolutely. And, yeah. you know, there, there was all this, you know, oh, you know, you rigged it against Bernie. Yes, they did. <laughs> they absolutely yes, we are did. A private we are a private organization. We get to do that. Yes. Hello. 
and uh, and we would like to nominate a candidate who can actually win. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, and who and who's been a Democrat for a little bit longer than forty eight hours? Yeah, exactly. So well, you know, uh, it's it, it, that's the ultimate irony of this election is that the Republicans to rebuild their brand will have to model the Democrats. Think well, about that. Yeah, it's funny because I did have lunch one day during uh, early during the uh, primaries with a friend of mine who works at the D Triple C, and he's telling me, you know, we were talking about Bernie Sanders, and that was when Bernie was starting to get traction, and things were, you know, things were starting to get a little, you know, testy there, and uh, all of a sudden, you know, I said to him, well, you know, what about, you know, what about Sanders? And he goes. Oh no, he's not. No, 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 no. It ain't gonna happen. He goes, because that was when Trump was starting to win, you know, some of the stuff, and he was getting a little momentum. And I said, well, it's you know, he's Bernie Sanders, the Democratic, you know, Donald Trump. And he goes, two things. And he must have heard Tom Jackson first. Uh, he goes, Bernie has beaten five different people we've put up. You know, in Vermont. So no, no, we're we. He's not raised a penny for, you know, our people. He's driven our, you know, the Senate crazy on a number of things, pushing us way left on some issues that we didn't want to go way left on. So no, he's not hijacking the uh, the nomination, and um, you know, not that the fix was in, but. Um, Let's just put it this way. He wasn't going to get much help from the DCCC to get to, uh, you know, to get to Philadelphia with enough delegates to uh, to get past Clinton. That just wasn't going to happen. And so, exactly. Tom, I think I think that uh, that uh, the super delegate envy uh, probably took place somewhere around that same time for the Republican aspect of it. Oh, amen. Yeah. But uh, anyway, well, you know. So now that we've solved the problem of the Republicans, and that is to get superdelegates, uh, 2020, guys, last, uh, last call is going to be this, 2020. If indeed Mr. Trump does not get elected, and um, that looks like a possibility at this point, who is – Out of the limb, Jim. Out of the limb. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it, it, it just broke off. Um, the um, – 2020 who uh, who comes out of the ashes from the uh, the Republican party and is there uh give me one or two names that pop to mind that you think uh, uh they can put up as their standard bearer in 2020 I'm going to rule out Marco right now okay. uh, I'm going to take him I'm going to take him at his word that he's going to serve a 6-year term fulfilling his obligation to Floridians as he did not the first time around. So I'm ruling him out. Okay. Um, give me, I, I think, I think um, Scott Walker is still intriguing as, as a Midwestern guy who showed that he could take on, uh, take on unions, um, govern in a purple state and do a pretty good job. I think he's a possibility uh, the the, the, the uh, governor of uh, of Michigan, despite the, the water war nonsense, um, he's 
somebody who may be able to re- rehabilitate his reputation. He's, he's he's otherwise done a done a fine job. I I think I think this time around, it's going to be a governor with somebody like Ben Sass, um, out of out of Nebraska, the senator out of Nebraska, very bright guy. Boy, he is endlessly smart and is uh, absolutely thoroughly conservative and knows how to make the argument. Somebody like him or Tom Cotton, the arc, the, uh, the the um, Harvard-educated uh, military man who is the senator from Arkansas um, as a running mate. I, I just I, I think it'll be a governor this time around. I think we have seen the last of Jeb, um, and I. I I like those picks. By the way, just for those who are keeping score, um, Rick Snyder is the governor of Michigan. Thank you. Yes. Yes. I didn't want to interrupt you. So, <laughs> Joe? Well done. Well, you forgot John Kasich. Um, he, was no, the last guy, he was the last <laughs> guy standing against Trump. Uh, not uh-huh. a true conservative, but, uh, but uh, you know, a guy uh, – from a uh, from a big state, uh, who was who um, managed? I think I think Kasich's already running uh, for uh, 2020. But if I, you know, the one guy that if you really want to get the true conservative, and it and it'll it'll be uh, e- interesting to see if his um, actions at the convention uh, disqualify him was Ted Cruz. Um, he. He had him going at the convention. He really did until he mm-hmm. said, vote your conscience. I bet you lunch that he wishes he'd stayed on that point because rather than, than that spineless endorsement he made of, uh, of Trump a couple of weeks ago. Uh, if, if he'd stuck to his guns, he would have then had the high ground to say, look, I told you so. Now are you ready to listen to reason? But I don't know if he yeah. damaged himself too much at that point. But uh, nothing nothing wrong with your list, Tom. I've heard a lot of good things about uh, your Nebraska man. And um, uh, but I mean, come on, let's uh, let's at least let Hillary put her hand on the Bible before we have somebody <laughs> succeeding her. Come on. <laughs> I didn't say she was succeeded. I was just saying they have to run somebody in 2020. So, um, and you know, our job is to make her a one-term president. Oh man! You know, well, that worked your, out. Yeah, yeah. Your ask, job. Ask, ask Mitch McConnell. Uh, he'll be happy to tell right, you that exactly. that that was that wasn't exactly quote, a plan that worked well quote, for him. Both the Mitch, a one-term president. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you're, you know. You, you already got Marco succeeding him, so then we don't have to worry about that at all. So, well, Mitch is going to lose his um, control of the Senate here. It looks like so. Uh, be interesting to see what his future looks like, if and when the uh, Republicans ever do regain control of the Senate. A lot of people predict that'll come in two years, right, Tom? And um, eighteen, baby, eighteen. Yeah. Dem- and just so, like just just like this year, Democrats have a very tough map to defend in 2018 and they will and they will face the traditional better GOP turnout in uh, in 18 than they are this year. So well, that's okay because yes, by then 
Hillary will already have three Supreme Court justices in there, so it'll, it won't matter. The Supremes at that point, <laughs> yes. Yeah, but she's she's going to be replacing like for like. She's not uh, unless unless somebody else winds up with a pillow on their face, and I don't believe that story. Okay, <laughs> unless somebody else winds up with a pillow on their face from the from the right side, uh, she's not going to be replacing uh, conservative judges. They're going to dig in. They're going to show up for work even if they're dead. <laughs> okay, not, well, that's, uh, on, that, on that lovely morbid I, note. I am not going hey, there. Two weeks uh, to Halloween. <laughs> two weeks to Halloween. It's the Great Pumpkin. Okay. Uh, what do you? Right. Who do you? Who do you have in the? In the? Uh, who do you have in the? Uh, you know the. In the in the death. In the pool? death pool for the for the Supreme Court. I mean, that's terrible. God. Well, I, 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 I think I think uh, Justice Ginsburg is going to do the right thing and not die, but she's she's going to she's going to let um, she's going to let President Clinton uh, appoint her nominee, her 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 successor. Replacement. Uh, yeah, um, and and I, I, so that'll instead of a a Republican replacing a a left leaning judge, a far left judge, frankly, um, to serve the next thirty years. It will be like for like. It'll be it'll be a Democrat replacing a lefty judge with another lefty judge. Yeah, so. Justice Elizabeth Warren. Yes, that'll be. <laughs> oh God, Justice well, you Barack know, Obama. I, no, I, that that I, that's not going to happen. Uh, don't that, put don't put Justice Elizabeth Warren past Hillary because that would get rid of one vexatious person. Uh, she knows that, that Warren would rule the way she wants her to rule on the Supreme Court, and it will get her the heck out of uh, – get her the heck off Capitol Hill, which is exactly what she wants to do. I think that she finds uh, Warren vexatious, that she's, she's even farther left than Hillary wants to go. I mean it's, it's going like, to be like here in Pasco County when Mike Olson, the tax collector, died, and they had to replace him. Uh, they needed a successor. And they looked around and they saw Mike Fasano, who they desperately wanted. He was a Republican by that time in name only. And Rick Scott and the leadership in the in the House and Senate desperately wanted to send Mike home. And and Mike said, I've always wanted to be a constitutional officer in Pasco. And so there he went. I see the same scenario working out for Elizabeth Warren. Could happen, fellas. I, okay. I'm not going to argue with it, especially since you've evoked the pillow. <laughs> The, the pillow I can't oh. sleep tonight. I have to sleep with one eye open, wondering if Jackson has flown to Washington to smother me. Uh, and on that Lock highly lovely note, Lock gentlemen, um, and we've done our we've done our last calls here, and so um, and you know if you want to get into the judge the justice pool, by all means, just send your uh, send your uh, Facebook and. Twitter to Tom Jackson and Tom. How can they send you that Twitter and Facebook? Well, they could they could find me on Twitter. My handle is at Thomas Jacks Tampa T H O M A S J A X Tampa, and uh, on Facebook, my page is Tom Jackson Journalist Entrepreneur. For those wanting to send their judge, uh, or yeah. if you want to just send Joe some uh, possible. Uh, presidential nominees for 2020 on the Republican side, you can send it to Joe. Go ahead. Give your 
social media well, out there? Uh, you can uh, find me on Facebook at Joe Henderson Commentary Columns and Such, or you can tweet me at J Henderson Tampa T A M P A, and I will respond. That's because Always. they're both very polite. So yes, we are. just the guys we are. That's, that's right. right. Their mamas done taught them right. And mm-hmm. you can get me at NTFLA underscore politics. That's NTFLA underscore politics. Or you can find us on our Facebook page at News Talk Florida. So anyway, folks, it's been a pleasure. We've had a lot of fun here uh, breaking down uh, last night's debate and debating as to um, you know what's going to happen in 2012, I'm 2012, 2020 and beyond. And uh, we hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Politically Incorrect Podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host from News Talk Florida. Joining me, of course, two of our favorite writers, Tom Jackson and Joe Henderson. Until next time, we'll see you and uh, have a safe and a wonderful weekend.